Well, good morning, friends. We are in our Colossians series. We're in our introduction, probably will be for a few days. As we uh, look at the Colossians introduction, we've we've kind of looked at the city of Colossae, and uh, and we started to look at the church, and we'll probably finish looking at the church today, and then tomorrow we'll look at the crisis. And then the correspondence. I love how um, Wearsby divides this up, and it's really been great for me to kind of really understand a little more about the background of Colossae and this church and this letter. So as we talked about the church yesterday, I challenge you to kind of look at Acts chapter 19, and I want you to go there today. Remember, the Colossian church um, was founded probably by Epaphras, who came out of the Ephesians um, ministry and revival. And and we know that as Paul ministers, he, especially in his early ministry, went to the synagogue first, and then he would branch out from there. But he would always go to the synagogue in respect to the Jews. Remember, a synagogue had to have 10 men above the age of 13 um, to establish um, 10 Jewish men above the age of 13 to establish a synagogue. So there was a synagogue in Ephesus. Look at verse 8 of chapter 19. And he, meaning Paul, entered the synagogue. Remember, they had to have 10 men above the age of 13 Jews. And for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. This is much more time than he spent in other places. He was usually invited back for maybe another uh, week, but he wasn't uh, invited for that much like he was here. And he persuaded them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, remember that was the, the way was what they called believers. They weren't called Christians yet until Antioch. Um, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and then took the, the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus, which was just a place, a meeting place, a public place. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia, this is hyperbole, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Um, they couldn't put a number on how many people heard it. So um, they said all the residents. And so what's important about this is this founding of the church in Ephesus, this Ministry in Ephesus uh, again was outward. It it continued to flow outward, and that's what ministry should do. So let's turn to examining some of the people that are involved in the prison correspondence. Now, remember, Paul wrote prison letters: um, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and his final letter was Second Timothy. Remember, he said, "I'm ready to be poured out like a drink offering." His life was about to end. You can put the story together as you begin to piece it. That's why Acts is important, and that's why it's so important to go from Acts and to look when he mentions a city or um, that he's in, go to see if that city had an actual church. And remember, the Colossian church was not uh, mentioned here. It was only mentioned later. During Paul's ministry in Ephesus, at least two men from Colossae were brought to faith in Jesus Christ, Epaphras and Philemon. And uh, Epaphras apparently was one of the key founders of the church in Colossae, for he shared the gospel with his friends there. Look at Colossians chapter 1, 
Colossians chapter 1 and verse 7. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians chapter 1 and verse 7. Paul says, just as you have learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Remember, Paul had never met these people. <clears throat> He'd never seen them face to face. He didn't start to church. So his channel of knowing them would have been through Epaphras. And as we said yesterday, probably Epaphras, <clears throat> excuse me, came to Paul um, asking for help, asking for uh, Paul's help in direction because uh, there were things that the church were struggling with, which is natural for young churches. And truthfully, every church um, goes through cycles where um, there's certain things that are facing it. And mainly it's because they are outward things. The church in Colossae was still very new. At this time, was probably about five years old, um, which is really, really new for a church. And so they were still dealing with things. Paul had never been there, but Paul wanted to minister to them. Look at Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. You can imagine the trust level that Paul had with Epaphras because he believed the reports from Epaphras. Now look at uh, verses 12 and 13 of chapter 4. It says, Epaphras was, who is one of you, a servant, who is one of you, underline that, showing that Paul wasn't yet internal with them. He was external. A servant of Jesus Christ greets you always, struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. Mature and fully assured. Wouldn't that be just something to pray every day? Lord, help me to be mature and fully assured in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Remember what was going on here was that people had been getting saved and then they had been going out back to Colossae, to Laodicea, Yes, Laodicea and to Hierapolis. Actually, if you look at this, uh, look down at verse 16. And when this letter is has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, meaning that the church of Colossae was a circular letter, wasn't just completely for the Colossians. And then read further and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Archippus is probably, um, it's in, um, the, he's one of the leaders of the church. But the, the letter to the Laodiceans has never been found. We've never seen it. Um, but what's included in the scripture is what's to be included in the scripture. Now, there were people, and Paul was really good. Turn just a few pages over. Uh, past First and Second Thessalonians, past Titus to the small book of Philemon. Paul was really good at mentioning who was with him and challenging who was not with him. Philippians chapter 1, and there's only one chapter, verses 1 through 3. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. So he's telling you who's, who's there. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow, fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you 
and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Philemon had a church meeting in his house. It is likely that Aphia and Archippus, according to um, Wiersbe, mentioned in this verse, were respectively the wife and the son of Philemon, and that Archippus was the pastor of the church in Coloss- uh, Colossians. Uh, Epaphras had started it, but Archippus was probably uh, the pastor uh, of, of the church. So there's a church there. Epaphras helps start these churches and get them going, and then there's leadership involved. Look at verse 23 of Philemon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, um, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. I love that Paul spreads um, the credit around. He doesn't just say, look what I've done. I, I, I uh, saw an excerpt from a book the other day, and the, the man who wrote the book said, because of my ministry, we'll be reaching such and such and such by such and such a date. I just thought it was uh, a little pretentious and a little arrogant. And James even tells us we should say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll go into such and such a city, such and such a city. I've never saved anybody. I've never healed anybody. I've shared the word of God and God does the rest. It's his ministry. It is the calling upon my life that Paul tells these guys to make sure you fulfill the calling by being involved in the calling. But it's the Holy Spirit who does the work in and through our lives. So he credits Epaphras, he credits Philemon and the others who are working um, with being active in the ministry. And this is essential because um, we need people involved in ministry. Now, one of the things that we're learning here is that we don't necessarily need big buildings. Paul's not against it. Uh, We're not against it. Um, But he's saying that these churches started from house to house. Now, remember... People couldn't own property at that time that were Christians. They were, everything was being taken from them. So it wasn't as if they could just go down the, to, the, to, the, to the courthouse and rent a building, you know, get approval to rent a building because the way was not something that was recognized by the Romans and it was not recognized by the Jews as well. It was uh, in conflict to both of those parties. So there's a good lesson for us to learn here. Back to where speak. God does not always need an apostle or a full-time Christian worker to get a ministry established. I remember one time I, I spent 13 years full-time pastor in, in the Assembly of God. And I felt a need at one time to step away from the Assemblies of God and to step away from full-time ministry altogether. And uh, I remember people asking me, how does it feel not to be in ministry? And I would say, I'll tell you when that day comes. They said, well, wait a minute, you're not a, a, a pastoring a church. I said, I'm always pastoring. I'm always ministering. And I had to learn that because I wasn't on staff someplace or because my title wasn't pastor of such and such church did not mean that God had relinquished or allowed me to step away from ministry. I remember John asking, John Bishop asking Luis Palau, who's with Jesus now, one time he was in his Luis was in his 70s. He said, 
are you ever going to retire? And Louise said, I don't see retirement in the Bible. The Bible says that the calling and the gifts of God are without repentance means he doesn't take them back. There are people who retire from full-time pastoring positions, but they never really stop ministering. So you don't have to have um, your name on a shingle outside of a church to be a pastor. I consider myself a pastor of many, many people. Maybe they, maybe they don't recognize it, but I consider myself a pastor of many, many people who actually attend other churches because we're a part of the body of Christ. Here we have uh, two laymen who were used of God to start ministries in at least three cities, Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis. It is God's plan that the Christians in large urban areas like Ephesus reached out into smaller towns and share the gospel. That's God's plan. That's what he did here. That's why Paul didn't stay in one place very long. Ephesus was uh, very unusual for him to spend that much time. But from Ephesus, we see uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 10, that the word of God went out to everyone throughout Asia. The Colossian assembly was predominantly Gentile in its membership. So he's writing to a bunch of people who are still struggling to leave behind the sins that are associated with Gentiles. Now, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 through 9. So he's talking to a group of people, they're Gentile believers, many of them brand new believers, and listen what he's he's talking to them about. I mean, we talk today like we shouldn't be mentioning sin from the pulpit and we shouldn't always oh, should just tell people to be, you know, better and, and what does that mean? I'm not going to I'm not going to cuss as much. I'm not going to I'm not going to be abusive as much. I I instead of murdering 3 people this year, I'm only going to murder 2. I mean, I don't know what being a better version of a sinner is, right? There's the Bible says there's nothing good within us. All of our righteousness, the Bible says, is this filthy rags. We have a need of a Savior. We need to be brand new, not remodeled. We need to be brand new, not remodeled. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, why was he mentioned into this church? Um, because these are things that Epaphras was probably coming back and telling him. These are things we're dealing with. And these were sins that were um, commonly not a big deal to Gentiles. I mean, sexual morality was not sexual morality. It was just, it was just releasing your, your sexual tension. It was enjoying you know, sexual pleasures. All of these things that they're talking about are things and passions and desires that we're not taught to be wrong. They were taught to be enjoyed. And now all of a sudden they're coming into this new training and Jesus um, brings in this new way of life. He makes this new, First Corinthians tells us, or Second Corinthians tells us, we're brand new. We're a new creation. He's paid the price for our sin. He's exchanged our sin for his righteousness. 
And so we can't continue in this. But this is a brand new church, both full of brand new believers. They're less than five years old as a church. And so there's probably believers that are all, you know, one to five years old within that context. And so there's teaching about that. And so we always need to be reminding ourselves and be reminded by scripture that there are things in our lives that need to fall away. They need to be submitted to God and ask the Lord to minister to us. Look at Colossians chapter one. And uh, we'll bring this to a close for the day as we talk about the church. And, and tomorrow we'll talk about the crisis that is headed to that particular church. So we'll finish up with Colossians chapter 1. And we'll start with verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now Paul isn't saying that Christ lacked anything and I am making up for it. What he's saying is there are things that are are happening here that need to be shown to you as an example. I rejoice in my sufferings. I rejoice in my sufferings because they're for your sake. I'm in prison for your sake, but I'm not a prisoner to um, to Rome. I'm a prisoner to Jesus Christ. I just happen to be in a Roman prison. Um, verse 25, of which I became a minister. It says, just a go back to 24, nothing lacking in Christ's afflictions, as I said, for the sake of his body, that is the church. So I'm suffering these things for you. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. Ministry is not for the minister. We are to serve. It is not platform driven that's not the reason for the existence of a church and for a pastor. So he has a platform. The reason that he has a ministry is for the people of the body of Christ. It's important that we recognize that. Um, the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed in the saints. What's the mystery? The mystery of this is the Gentiles were to be a part of the church. God did not forsake his Jews. They, the Jews are his people. The Jews are will always be God's people. And God bless the Jews and we should be praying for them. The persecution that they suffer on a daily basis is something that we are not familiar with in any way, shape or form. We need to love the Jews and we need to, to be generous and to be giving. And God will honor those who take care of the Jewish people. They are God's people. Don't ever think that the Christian church has replaced the Jews as God's people. They have not. We have fortunately been allowed to come into the body of Christ um, to be um, to be his body. He's joined us together, Jew and Gentile alike, and we need to pray for our Jewish brothers, sisters. But now it's revealed to us. What's been revealed? That the Gentiles were a part of the plan of God. Verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his ministry, which is in is which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. A um, couple more verses. Him we proclaim, meaning Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That is the goal of ministry is to present everyone mature in Christ. It's not to fill a pew. It's not to join a church. 
It's not to say that I belong to first so-and-so or second so-and-so or, or the congregation of so-and-so. It's to be presented mature in Christ. Why? Because in our maturity, the Bible says those that are we are strong help the weak. As we grow, we help others. We bring others along. 28, for this I toil, struggling with all this energy that he powerfully works within me. My whole goal is for you to become mature in Christ and to present you mature in Jesus Christ. And that's why nothing that I go through is worth even hardly mentioning. He doesn't say, hey, pray for me um, because this happened to me today in prison and they're so mean to me. No, he says, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I happen to be in a Roman prison, but this and all of this is because of the work that Christ has called me to do, to perfect you through the word of God, to bring you to maturity in Jesus Christ. If your goal as a Christian is just to make heaven, you need to enlarge your goal. It's not to make heaven. That's, that is a huge, huge benefit. But your goal in Christ needs to be to mature in Christ. Why do we study? Why do we listen to podcasts? Why do we pray? To grow in maturity in Jesus Christ. And that maturity is so that we can then help those who are in need of growing up themselves. I am maybe more mature than some of you in Christ. And maybe not. And so there may come a time when you say, you know what? I don't need Gary's teaching anymore because I've outgrown it. And that is fabulous. That's my goal. Let me pray for us. Numbers chapter 6, 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Till we talk again.